USA is in a crucial stage. It's not because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people trying to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led I've gotta be free The way God made men And I won't be ruled by the damn you win Taking your right to self-defense They say you're safer but they don't make sense Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I'm your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, coming live from historic Rome County, Tennessee. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the area, we are really, really close to Oak Ridge and we are very close to Knoxville. So, I'm uh, pretty sure everybody's got a pretty good idea of where Knoxville, Tennessee is, at the very least. So I'm just down the road a little bit from there. Anyway, glad to have you with us, and thank you so very much for listening. As always, I greatly appreciate each and every one of you, regardless of where you're listening at, whether you're listening to the podcast or if you're listening to the rebroadcast on terrestrial radio stations across the country, stations like KYAH, 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority. Uh, I've had people ask me why I mention them uh, so often, even when there are other stations on the list that sometimes I don't mention. And that's because they are the flagship. They are the original uh, terrestrial station that airs this program. And they will forever hold a position of honor and distinction as far as the Tap into the Truth broadcast family is concerned. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I really appreciate uh, the powers that be at uh, KYAH uh, playing this show. Uh, the dedication uh, that they have shown to it and the faith that they have shown uh, really does mean a lot to me. 
Now, if you are listening to the rebroadcast, uh, wherever you may be listening to, uh, the, the very important bit of information that you might need is when the live broadcast actually took place, because you're clearly not hearing it live. And just in case there's something that's a little dated by the time you hear it, something may have changed, there may be something drastic. So for that general purpose, the time of the live broadcast is November the 9th, 2021, and it is just a few brief moments after 8 p.m. Eastern. This is the first hour of a two-hour live show. And this particular show, well, i got to start out doing something that I very rarely had to do. I have to make an on-air correction. In fact, this correction is so egregious that I, I tried to force myself to change the schedule uh, to try and get a special... Uh, what am I looking for? A special broadcast, a special notification, something. Tried to get on air to do an extra show just so I could get this correction made sooner rather than later. But decided I would hold off for the regular schedule. And we, we've got to get the program back on track. Uh, we are back out of hiatus, and now we are getting back on track. Got to get back into the regular schedule. The timing is still a little at issue, uh, mostly because of uh, equipment issues. And, uh, you know, just stuff I don't want to go into because it's stuff that's on me. That's part of the problem of being independent. Uh, when you do an independent show, well, you know, you got to make do with what you can. Not make excuses and work hard to make it better and, you know, all that inspirational stuff that I'm not going to get into. But anyway, here's the point. This past Sunday at the uh, broadcast, I was reporting the story of the Republicans who crossed the line and voted, helped Nancy Pelosi and helped all the Democrats and helped Joe Biden get the bill out of the House for the infrastructure. And I was talking quite a bit about the infrastructure bill itself. And I stand by everything that I said, but the correction I need to make comes from the fact that they had been fighting with this bill so long amongst themselves. The Democrats had been going back and forth and just absolutely flat out fighting amongst themselves so long that it completely slipped my mind that the Senate had already passed this bill. This was, in fact, identical, so there's no need for reconciliation. When the House passed this, it immediately made its way towards Joe Biden's Death, which, of course, led to all-day gloating on Monday how this is Infrastructure Week. Uh, thumb in the eye to Donald Trump. Donald Trump never could get infrastructure. Okay. First of all, if infrastructure was so very, very bad uh, under Donald Trump, why is it good now? Democrat dollars are better than Republican dollars. Mm, probably not. But also, vice versa, if Donald Trump, you know, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate terrorist, the orange man who is bad. If Donald Trump was so bad and he wanted infrastructure, then why do you? Is, is that a legitimate question? Well, obviously, they wanted to spend the money. But here's the thing. The correction is I kept talking along the lines of if this bill 
now gets passed in the Senate. I, I literally, I'm pretty sure I literally said that at one point uh, while I was in the midst of my ranting. And so I'm sure a lot of you were listening to that part of the discussion and you're like, Tim, what, what's going on in your head? This is it. It's a done deal. There's nothing else going on. <sighs> well, first of all, I, I actually haven't received any kind of pushback from the listeners. Nobody's complained. Nobody said, hey, wise guy, got your wires crossed here. So everybody's been very polite. Now, there's been several listeners. I, I've seen the numbers. So the, the listenership's fine, at least for the podcast. And I'm thinking, okay, well, first of all, guys, thank you for being considered. I, I have been away from the microphone for a little while. I am still working out some of the radio rust, if you will, trying to get loosened back up behind the microphone, get my normal flow back in. And it has required a great deal of editing uh, <laughs> along with some of this as well. Also partially because of equipment glitches and uh, partially because I'm still trying to get back in the flow. So forgive me. I, I'm also going to try to avoid all of that editing on this broadcast. So we'll see how well I do with that. But anyway, thank you so much for not rudely getting on my case. I certainly appreciate it. Uh, and the the worst part is less than an hour after I had posted the broadcast, and I wasn't about to bring it back down, I I realized, I remembered, hey, um, they actually have passed this in the Senate. Then I got to looking further into it. It's like, ah, yes, obviously. So I felt like a big doof. You know, I, I fell so bad. I, I don't normally make those kind of tactical errors. Uh, I say a lot of things folks will disagree with, but very rarely am I factually incorrect. Uh, so, again, on-air correction. This is already a done deal. It's already been signed at this point, and the infrastructure bill is now law. In a time of record-setting inflation, we're going to flush another few trillion dollars down the drain. And don't get me wrong, I, even though somewhere between 10 and 12% of this actually does go to traditional infrastructure, and, and it is clear that we need some infrastructure work done in, in several states— it's not the role of the federal government to, to do that. I mean, if they want to be responsible for the upkeep of federal highways, then okay. But the biggest problem here is even most of the actual infrastructure money is boondoggle for a small part of the country. Because okay, what are we really looking at? Okay, here's some roads, here's some bridges. That's what you kept hearing because that's what sounds reasonable. That's the part that most people can say, well, okay, if you're going to spend taxpayer money, that's the kind of thing we ought to spend it on. Okay, fair enough, because they're not putting enough thought into what is the actual role of the federal government in relationship to what's the role of the state governments and your local governments. Infrastructure of that kind is the responsibility of state and local governments, not the federal government. Now, some people will make the argument, shouldn't they at least be able to uh, create grants available uh, for that use for the states and uh, the local 
municipalities or counties or whatever breakdown we're looking at, shouldn't they be able to get some of that grant money? I would say respectfully, maybe. I mean, I think you can legitimately say if this is going to be made available to literally any government across the country and they're going to be able to get an equal share to do legitimate infrastructure work, then uh, okay, uh, a little bit of help to the local taxpayers is fine. But I still think little things like, I don't know, uh, votes should take place locally as to whether or not the people are actually okay with that. Because here's the deal. Ultimately, no matter how you divvy up that money, overwhelmingly large portions of those dollars are going to end up in major population centers. Well, you know, where there's more people, obviously we need more infrastructure. Well, maybe so. But is there any reason whatsoever a taxpayer in Nebraska should be paying for a brand new train in New Jersey? And see, that's part of the issue here. More than a third of the money that is actually earmarked for what we typically think of as actual infrastructure is going to the D.C. corridor. It's going into the northeastern part of the United States and mostly to help get those choo-choo trains that both barely there, Beijing Biden and Secretary Buttigieg just think are so romantic. They want to get the trains going again. The train is ineffective. We have went past the age of trains. And don't get me wrong, I actually kind of like trains. I'm not a train hater. But I think if you're going to be running trains, it needs to be private sector run and it needs to be handled by the private sector. Government, mass transit, trains need to come to an end. You need a better path forward. Now, unfortunately, places like New York and Chicago, they have tied so much of their mass transit capabilities to trains. There's just no way to get around it. It would be impossible. And even with the trains in play, uh, the subways, in the case of New York, uh, the streets are still so horribly crowded. And it's almost, I don't know how many of you guys, if you're not from New York or haven't been to New York several times, have you ever taken a taxi ride in New York proper, especially like downtown Manhattan? It is an experience, to say the least. Uh, some of the old school, more colorful drivers that I had the pleasure of riding with uh, missed their callings. They, they should have been either in NASCAR or part of the uh, touring demolition derby circuit. I, guess, I mean, it got kind of spooky. Uh, at any rate, I digress. The point of the matter is a majority of that money is going to places that has nothing to do with actual infrastructure. And like I said before, the kind of infrastructure that they're spending this on is governmental infrastructure. They're still trying to push the Great Reset. They're still trying to push the Build Back Better idea. And, of course, that's what Miss Pelosi has taken up now. That's what she's trying to push. They want to give Biden another win because now they think they've got the wind at their backs. They've got the W. So 
the real question is, what are we going to allow? What are we going to permit? What are we going to do? What are we going to say? Are we going to speak up to our elected representatives? Are we going to continue to remind them that they are, in fact, representatives of us, their constituents, the people who put them in the place they're at? It's not your party that got you there. It's not some super uber rich donor that got you there. It was still the people who voted for you. No matter how you feel about shenanigans that have taken place in various elections and no matter how you feel about whether or not elections even matter anymore, I think we got a lot of answers to those questions, or at the very least, we got some answers that it still does matter if you come out in large enough numbers. We got those answers in this, uh, this off election we just saw. It's an off-year election. It's not part of the, uh, the 2022 cycle. It's not part of the presidential cycle. It's an off-year election. But we saw a strong, strong, determined response from the American people, especially in the state of Virginia, that say, that's it, guys. No more. We're done with we are done with all of this crazy, so-called progressive bovine excrement. It's time to get back to basics. It's time to get back to fundamentals. It's time to turn the United States of America back into the nation that she's always been meant to be. We've placated and allowed the leftists to hold on to the rudder for a while. They've guided the ship, and unfortunately... We got, we're stuck on a freaking sandbar. We're taking on water, and they're ripping the ship apart. The United States of America is not the Titanic. We are not going down like this, and it's time to rise up and save her. There are signs all around the country that people are ready to do exactly that. I don't know if you saw it. don't know if you heard about it, but the major announcement in education of all places, the founding of the University of Austin. This is going to be in Austin, Texas, but this is not the University of Texas in Austin. This is the University of Austin. It's being set up by a group of college professors, by intellectual thinkers, by scholars, both of a conservative slant and a traditional classic liberal slant, and they're looking to establish, to build, to start an actual, honest-to-goodness, classical liberal arts college where excellence is created through debate, where the search for truth is executed by the founding and discovering of critical thinking and the exposure to new ideas where simple ideologies are not permitted to dominate. There will be no witch hunts on this campus. There will only be discussion, arguments made for your side. And then at the end of the day, you're going to be graded on the merit of your work regardless of what opinion you hold at the end. 
a return to what made university great in this country in the first place, a return to the very stepping stones that made America a powerhouse, the idea, the attempt to bring forth a true free market economy, the attempt to establish a constitutionally federated republic, and the quest for knowledge and truth to expand and allow not only greatness in political thought, but also greatness in the pursuit of actual progressiveness. You know, to be progressive means that you are moving forward, that you are innovating. The political left in this country and around the world that wants to claim the mantle of progressivism They're anything but progressive, which is why you will often hear me say so-called progressive. That's what they want you to call them. That's not who they are. So now we've got this infrastructure bill going, moving forward. The governmental infrastructure that I have expressed a great deal of concern about, that you should have a great deal of concern about yourself, It is present in the bill, and it's hidden amongst the details. There's a lot of things to be concerned about, how they plan on spending your money, how they plan on continuing to just blow out the spending, despite the fact that we already have this record-level inflation that clearly, barely there, Beijing Biden isn't even capable of beginning to understand the concept of why. Why? Well, because it just happens in cycles. This would have happened to anybody. But now we've got a record, uh, record unemployment gains. No, no, Joe, you don't. What you've got is finally an end of the Biden bucks. So people were in a position where they had to start returning to work. Congratulations. You, with your policies, have managed to slow what should have been a overnight record recovery because we were in the middle of a continuing, growing economy under the man who was in the White House previous to you. You know, the, the orange man who's bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist. You remember that guy? You should. He's going to be in the news a lot For the next little bit. He's going to be because he's going to get involved with some of these 2022 races. Be prepared. If you're not already hearing him all the freaking time, you're going to be hearing him a lot. And he's going to be huge. Donald Trump had a record-setting economy because he had a return to common sense as part of the America First meant he understood that you put Americans and American workers first, and strangely enough, when you do that, surprise, surprise, our economy gets better. You start setting records. You start helping minorities to get to the highest levels of gainfully good employment. What's a good word for that? Let me just say good employment, better jobs available, growth everywhere. Average incomes increasing. All those things were in place. And it wasn't COVID that stopped that economy. It was our reaction to COVID that stopped that economy. 
when you saw everybody else around the world slowing their roles, when you saw everybody else around the world cutting back on what they were doing, yes, that could have led to some uh, supply chain issues that would have slowed things. But if we hadn't hit the brakes so hard, slammed on the brakes, in fact, there's a really good chance we could have weathered that much better and led some of these other countries to completely avoid the type of economic crises that they're currently in. But yeah, you know, just just watch what works it. That has been essentially the whole plan behind the Biden administration when it comes to the economy, when it comes to the military, when it comes to just dealing with the average person. The good news is that a lot of people got a taste of how good things could be and that we saw in Donald Trump and his policies the opportunity to put those specific policies in place and a lot of the damage that's taken decades to be done by uh, political left in this country could be undone so much faster than any of us imagined. Now, we've also seen in about 10 months' time, so much damage being done is almost difficult to believe that it's not on purpose. And you shouldn't believe that it's not on purpose. I don't know for sure that it's barely there, Biden, who's responsible, whoever's pulling his strings from the shadows. They want to see this. They are fully on board with the whole Cloward and Piven, destroy America from the inside, destroy America's belief in American exceptionalism, destroy the people of this nation, destroy their hearts, their souls, and make them believe that only the leftist ideology uh, can be successful for them. If you do that, you can finally end this republic. And again, don't, don't doubt me when I tell you that they want the republic gone. They want the framework of governmental limits and constraints gone. They want the idea of a government by and for the people gone. They don't want this of, for, and by. They want this of, for, and by them, the elitist, the specials. That's what they want. Everything you see them pushing, everything the Democrats are pushing right now for all the talk about helping the poor are all designed to help the rich. Everything they used to accuse the Republicans of doing, they're just the party of the fat cats. Well, that's some BS, boys and girls, that keep talking about the salt tax that only helps the wealthy. doesn't really affect uh, the working poor in this country that much. But you know what? We need a tax system where if a state is raising their taxes on their people, that they have to be accountable to those people. And that should be completely independent of anything the federal government is doing. Now, I would sit here and tell you that the fair tax, as written, should be the, the way the feds go. We don't need a freaking income tax. The fair tax, as written, would work 
perfectly. More people would have more skin in the game. You'd have more reason to be concerned. And if you really were at a certain economic level so poor that you should not have to pay taxes, well, that's addressed in that fair tax, too, in the form of a monthly prebate check. It sounds like an awful lot of work, but you know what? Uh, right now, the federal government has an awful lot of IRS agents that wouldn't be needed to do what they currently do. They'd be available to work on the prebates. And then, oh, well, Tim, but what if those folks, what if they end up spending more than what the prepaid check covers? Well, that means they're not quite that poor anymore, doesn't it? It means life is getting better for them, and congratulations, now they have skin in the game. Why do these politicians want to keep the poor out of the game? Why do they want to make sure they don't have any skin in the game? Why do they want to make sure that these folks don't have their money going to these boondoggles? Because the people who do pay also pay a lot more attention to what these folks are up to. If they don't have the voting blocks that currently work for them available, they can't be successful anymore at pushing their agenda. So, I stand here humbly apologizing for my erroneous error from Sunday's broadcast. I hope that you will forgive me. After all, it had been a long week. And they had been arguing about this for quite a while. So much so that it's pretty ridiculous, really. But still... Something, an error that I should not have made. And my passion about not liking this infrastructure bill, it still stands. Everything else is still legit. I hope I didn't cause any confusion. I hope nobody was put out by it. And for those of you who caught it and was kind enough not to rub my face in it, once again, thank you so much. Uh, let's take that quick mid-hour break and we will move on right after this. Hello, this is Dan Perkins for your Songs and Stories for Soldiers Veterans Tip of the Day. What veterans who are homeless or at risk of homelessness should do for help? Veterans who are homeless or at imminent risk of homelessness are strongly encouraged to contact the National Call-In Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-4-AID-VET. That's 877-424-3838 for assistance. If a veteran does not have access to a phone or the internet, only then are they to visit the closest VA medical center without calling in advance. All veterans should contact their VA medical center before visiting for any reason. These steps are necessary to prevent the spread of COVID-19. So here's your veterans tip of the day. Contact the VA at 877-424-3838 for more information. The VA wants to help. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. Hello, my fellow Americans. Has the United States become a socialist state in the image of Saul Alinsky? On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, there are eight levels of control that must be obtained before you are able to create a socialist state. Beginning with the most important, number one, gain full control of the people by controlling health and medical care. Two, increase the poverty level while pretending to fight against poverty. Poor people are easier to control and will not bite the government hand that feeds them. 
three, increase taxes, and spending to create unsustainable debt levels and thus increase more poverty. Four, convince people to abandon the Second Amendment and give up their guns. That way, you can create a dictatorship. Five, welfare handouts take control of every aspect of their lives, food, housing, and income. Six, education or indoctrination take control of what people read and listen to. Take control of what children learn in school. Common core, anyone? Seven, remove the belief of the Christian God from the government schools. Removing Christian Judeo principles accelerates the collapse of American greatness. Eight, class envy. Warfare divide the people into wealthy and poor while eliminating the middle class. And that's just for starters. Wake up, America. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out theronedwards.com. It's not so unbelievable that governments would want to disarm their citizens, but that citizens would beg to be disarmed by their government is a much scarier thought. We've seen government control most recently in Venezuela, where citizens are left to defend themselves against a violent government by throwing rocks, because not too long ago, they were disarmed by that very government under the guise of gun safety. Gun control laws like the ones in Venezuela are exactly what our political left in America would like to see here. As a mother, I am terrified. I have four children in our public school system. And if they knew that their teachers were potentially carrying a gun... They want to be disarmed by our government so badly that they protest in the streets, demanding that government take away their rights. All for that assault weapons ban to keep these weapons of war out of the hands of civilians who do not need them. All for the prohibition of high-capacity magazines, because no hunter will ever need access to a magazine that can kill 17 in mere minutes. How does this happen? Well, it's complicated, but it starts with very powerful propaganda targeted at people who can't think. People who have been taught to believe that freedom is dangerous. People who can't think for themselves are targeted from many directions. Schools, movies, news sources, and even their own friends and family. And once they're on board with the anti-gun fear campaign, they continue to perpetuate the irrational gun fear. Well, they have to justify their position, right? Also, yeah. don't need home protection. Um, oh. you, don't, you don't need guns for home protection. You don't want to bring more guns into a situation. The answer to solving violence is not more violence. Gun fear is cultivated purely for the purpose of gun control support. But the people who spread it don't always know that they've been misled. They think they're doing a good thing. These same people are taught to hate gun owners. They're taught that gun owners are recklessly and intentionally putting everyone in danger. They're taught that gun owners are the enemy, and more government control will protect them from the enemy. Why does anybody need an assault rifle if they're not going to war? I don't think there's any reason to have 33 bullets in a killing machine that you can take into a place like a school. Watch these anti-gun activist groups in action. And you can't help but ask yourself if they have any clue what the real results would be if they were successful. So what's the real problem here? Is it really guns or is this about something else? I mean, do guns cause violence? How do we let the gun grabbers hijack the conversation and direct the focus to firearms when we all know we really should be talking about what causes human violence? You see, if we were to look at what causes human violence in this country, we'd be forced to look at gang violence, open borders, sanctuary cities, rampant pharmaceutical drug use, and gun-free zones. 
all things that the anti-gun political left supports. So to the anti-gunners, why in the world would you want your government to take away your rights? The Second Amendment is not a privilege. It's your right. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. Welcome to another edition of Alright ladies and gentlemen, we are back and it is indeed another edition of Thunderdome. Uh, two men go in, one comes out. And we're not worried about you breaking the rules of Thunderdome because there are no rules. That's, that's the America that we're heading towards right now. Uh, before I get into anything else, I do want to remind everybody once again, uh, in this modern world that we're living in, there's lots of reasons for you to be concerned about taking care of your family. If, if you're going to enjoy all the blessings of individual liberty, that also means that it requires individual responsibility on your part. And that responsibility starts with being able to take care of and provide for yourself. And one of the companies that have been for the longest time trying to help make sure that you, in fact, can take care of yourself when things get kind of sketchy out there is My Patriot Supply. So I'm going to ask you, please look to the show description today. Uh, take that uh, full email address, uh, the web address, not an email address, it's the web address. Take the full web address, copy it, paste it, put it in your browser, and go see what you can find new over at My Patriot Supply. You can get a lot of great options for uh, your food in the event that you need to stockpile and have that. They have filters for water filtration, air filtration. They have heirloom seeds. They've got everything back in stock. But things are getting kind of scarce on some of the uh, shelves in a lot of the stores we go to. I don't know if you've noticed, but I certainly have a couple of grocery stores and a couple of big box stores nearby have had a lot of empty shelves. Now, maybe it's supply chain issues. Maybe it's just the beginning of American stores starting to look like Venezuelan stores. Either way, don't want to scare you, but I do want you to be prepared. So check out My Patriot Supply, and please use the uh, web address that I put in place in the show description so that they know I'm the one that sent you. That's the only reason I asked that. But please go check for yourself. All right. Now, as I was saying, crazy, crazy things going on, right? We have everything being drawn for one side or another, and we have the media right now maybe more obvious than ever, trying to cover the bad, trying to lie to make some things that aren't so great sound like they're good, and, of course, also trying to frame stories so that they can claim they reported on those stories oh, in a fashion that eh, they weren't really reporting on the real story. They were reporting on something around it, uh, you know, you're wondering what I'm talking about. Okay. Well, let's talk about what should be, if not the, uh, one of the top three biggest stories in the country right now. And that's the fact that right now 
we have this controversy going on regarding the stolen diary of an Ashley Biden. Now, Ashley is one of Joe Biden's daughters. And right now, some of the... uh, some of the pages from this diary have been published in the public domain. The story, however, as it's being reported by major mainstream uh, traditional news outlets like NBC, isn't about what's in the diary. It isn't about the fact that the FBI has essentially uh, said that this is, in fact, Ashley Biden's diary at this point. Now, what they want to report about is how the FBI is investigating Project Veritas. You see, here's the thing. While back, this diary was stolen. Nobody knows what happened to it for a while. But then sometime after this diary, among some other items that were stolen from the house, uh, it's offered up to Project Veritas. Project Veritas, of course, looked at it, said, okay, what's this? But because they had no way to to verify that it actually was what it claimed to be, they didn't report it. They didn't publish anything from it. You would have never heard about Ashley Biden's diary from Project Veritas. But the news has broken out as of this past week, as of November 5th, in fact, that federal agents searched several locations belonging to current and former members of Project Veritas. This is an investigation involving the possible theft of a diary belonging to President Joe Biden's daughter, according to a statement from the group's website and an FBI spokesperson. So both Project Veritas and an FBI spokesperson had said that that's what this is involving. Now, I've heard a lot of people say, why is the FBI investigating the theft of a diary? And if that's all they were really investigating, then that would be a legitimate question. You would have to say, excuse me, I know you guys are getting really bad about overstepping your authority, getting really bad about overstepping your boundaries. But the one thing that not too many people are mentioning is maybe they were investigating because maybe between, and again, I'm speculating here. I, and this is me. I should know better than this by now, but this is me trying to give the FBI the benefit of the doubt. And then, and again, I do that because I know the majority of agents that work for the FBI are great people just trying to do their jobs. It's, the higher-ups that are actually political deep state agents that are at issue. Uh, Please understand, guys, I'm not criticizing the rank and file. I am criticizing uh, the folks up and around the top who seem to think that you're above the law and that you're political operators. Long history of that at the FBI, I guess, if you really want to look back at it. But anyway, I digress. Giving them the benefit of the doubt... Perhaps in that time from the theft of said diary to the time that this was acquired by a different party, and that party then offered it up to Project Veritas, 
maybe within that time frame, whoever first stole it actually attempted to blackmail the Bidens. Because from what we've seen from some of the content here, there is at least enough to make you raise an eyebrow. And some of the content really, really kind of makes you wonder if this guy should have ever been allowed to hold public office. And by this guy, we are talking about barely there Beijing pee pads Biden. Uh, some people now call him poopy pants. I don't know about the pooping thing at the Vatican. I still think that's an unsubstantiated rumor. But we do know that while he was visiting the fine folks in Glasgow, he uh, did manage to break wind in a what was a rather embarrassing fashion. Uh, at any rate, let's let's get back to the point. The story here as written, and this is from NBC's write-up, and that's part of what I want to, to, to see after this statement was made. An FBI spokesperson confirmed to NBC News that, quote, court-authorized law enforcement activity took place. In other words, they had a warrant. Don't know why you can't just say, or at least that's what they want you to think. Maybe they didn't. I mean, you can't, if they're parsing their words this much, you do have to kind of wonder uh, why they didn't just come out and say, yeah, we executed a warrant. That is the usual lingo, isn't it? So anytime they go away from the usual lingo, you probably should be at least, you know, wondering why they're parsing their words. That's, that's Again, I don't know, I've become way too suspicious of these folks, maybe. Maybe. Maybe not. Okay, anyway. Uh, back to the quote, court-authorized law enforcement activity took place at an address associated with Project Veritas in uh, New York and another address on East 35th in, uh, in Manhattan. Now, NBC kept throwing in the word conservative wherever they could get the opportunity, by the way, and this is one of those places that said the conservative group confirmed a New York Times report that the investigation involves allegations that a diary belonging to the president's daughter had been stolen. Portions of that diary were published online by a conservative website about two weeks before the 2020 presidential election. Now, again, like I said, they keep throwing the word conservative out there. Uh, Project Veritas only seems to lean conservative because when they do their... Uh, investigations, ordinarily what you end up seeing is it's mostly leftists that are violating most concepts of human decency. You know, folks that have uh, risen to a position where they think they're above the rest of us. You don't see very many conservatives actually get to that point. Now, that's not to say that it doesn't happen. But I would also like to remind all of you screaming leftists out there right now that I said conservatives. I didn't say Republicans. Not all Republicans are really conservative. Otherwise, you wouldn't have your infrastructure deal right now. Yeah, just saying. Okay, so this was such a high-profile site that did end up publishing them that most of us never heard about this. Uh, of course, we did hear about the Hunter Biden laptop story uh, and it was the reaction from the left that actually made that story go viral more than anything uh, because 
Facebook wanted to keep it from being up, and Twitter tried to shut down the account of the New York Post. But anyway, the Times, citing two sources briefed on the matter, reported that the Justice Department had been investigating the case since October of 2020, when a representative of the Biden family reported that several of Ashley Biden's personal items had been stolen in a burglary. Now, I'm going to hit the brakes here again and point out again, the Justice Department's been investigating. Okay, at that point, if there hadn't already been an effort at blackmailing, then there's no reason for the feds to be there unless there was a legitimate concern about something that is classified being amongst part of whatever was taken. If there wasn't something classified or there wasn't an effort at blackmailing the Biden family, then there's absolutely zero reason for the Federal Justice Department to have anything to do with this case, at least not at that point. You can tell me that, uh, well, of course they did. He, he was a former vice president. He was running for president. Everybody knew he was going to beat Trump. Everybody knew Hillary was going to beat Trump, too, didn't they? Now, hey, clearly, this is a case of I've been a part of the federal government forever. I'm a special. You better treat me like I'm special. That's what happened there. Unless... Again, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, unless one of these two circumstances existed. Those two circumstances being either A, there had already been an attempt at blackmail, or B, the possibility of something classified being involved. That, of course, would then raise the question, why would Ashley have anything that would be classified in and amongst the items that were taken? Because remember... In order for the Justice Department to be investigated, it wouldn't have to have been the diary itself that would have contained anything classified. But they said several personal items. She shouldn't have any personal items that are classified. All right, so in a statement this past Friday, Project Veritas CEO, Mr. James O'Keefe, who NBC then says – known for producing gotcha-style undercover videos, including Democratic politicians, activists, and the media. Okay. Uh, if that feels like it's gotcha journalism, uh, it really is only that for the folks that need to get got. Just, you know, my opinion. Feel free to make it your own. Uh, anyway, uh, James O'Keefe said that... Uh, his group had been approached by people claiming they had the Biden daughter's diary, but they decided not to publish it, saying, quote, late last year, we were approached by tipsters claiming they had a copy of Ashley Babbitt's diary. So, again, late last year, they were approached. By tipsters claiming that they had a copy of the diary. Now, a copy of the diary. And these tipsters indicated that they were negotiating with a different media outlet for the payment of monies for the diary. Uh, meaning that they were kind of hoping that they could start a little 
you know, a, a financial battle between who wanted it more, who the highest bidder's going to be. Now, back to quoting. At the end of the day, we made the ethical decision that because, in part, we could not determine if the diary was real, if the diary, in fact, belonged to Ashley Biden, or if the contents of the diary occurred, we could not publish the diary and any part thereof. Okay, so, again... They said they couldn't tell for sure that it was hers. They couldn't tell for sure that it was actually real. And they couldn't tell for sure that anything written down in it had actually happened. So with all those things, Project Veritas has already exceeded whatever journalistic standards uh, were put in place for the publishing of the Steele dossier. So what I'm seeing is... Good job, guys. Once again, Project Veritas doing the work that people who claim to be journalists just simply won't do. Now, uh, O'Keefe also said that they turned the diary over to law enforcement after an attorney for Ashley ba Biden refused to accept or authenticate it. So, again, Project Veritas ended up with a copy of this, and they approached the attorney for Ashley Biden and uh, he wouldn't accept it probably because he was afraid that if he did accept it, that that would be the same thing as saying, okay, it was hers. Now, obviously in a court of law, you can make any argument. All you are actually doing is you're taking into receipt uh, something that someone's telling you that is claimed to be, and then you could completely debunk or deny it after the fact, and that would be a legitimate thing to say because it could have been completely fake, right? Okay, so then the site that did publish the excerpts did so about two weeks after the New York uh, Post began publishing stories about the emails that were on the laptop that belonged to Hunter. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, the same laptop that Ju Rudy Giuliani ended up giving to the New York Post after nobody else would take it, the one that was left in the Delaware computer store, the one that evidently really was Hunter's. Now... Here's the thing. At this point, we have enough reason to believe that this diary was, in fact, Ashley Biden's diary. And if you've taken the time to go back and read any of the excerpts, there are some super creepy things. So if we have FBI, blah, 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 if we have, easy for me to say, right, if we have FBI validation that this was Ashley's diary, which according to some sources, some reports, some statements, apparently we do. They may walk that back in the near future. If they do, then I will stand corrected. But if this actually is legitimately hers, if we know that to be the case at that point, then we have to wonder why she would say the things that she wrote in this diary and again, may, maybe there's something going on with her mental state at that time. But given what we've seen from Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., 
the sniffing of hair, the the snuggling from behind, the the high cupping behavior for women of all ages, some of them still little girls. Some of it could be simply written off as being harmless, uh, unintentional, but he just keeps doing it even after he's been told, hey, crazy, creepy, handsy Uncle Joe, cut it out. Uh, then one would have to wonder if maybe there, if there was some type of mental distress, maybe it was caused by the activities going on. Maybe there's a lot more going on than we have any idea. Maybe she couldn't bring herself to write down the words. And again, I, I know I'm speculating. I'm going off the rails. I'm saying some things that are on the verge of being libelous. But based on accusations that have been made and based on things that we have seen with our own freaking eyes, I think it's worth checking out. I think the FBI... They may be well within the rights to be investigating how Project Veritas ended up with this because if whoever did originally steal this diary did try blackmailing them first, then they should face some consequences for that. They should. Uh, if Project Veritas is being in any way misleading or deceptive in what they're saying in their public statement – they also should face some type of consequence for that, uh, based, of course, on exactly what their infraction is. But regardless of whatever you're looking at here, there is the very real possibility that Joe Biden, in his younger days, was much worse than we were ever led to believe. All right, so um, that's going to have to be it for this first hour. So if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, I'm going to have to say goodbye to you right now. Now, if you're listening to the podcast, don't go anywhere. Hour number two starts right after this. But if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, thank you so much for being here. And remember, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort. And most importantly, use your brain. If you really want to tap into the truth. You guys stay safe out there, stay healthy, and, uh, you know, be smart even if it goes against your nature. She was from a blue state clan, taught to praise the little man, told that union saved the working class. He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees they said their vows and he couldn't say when He couldn't say how He couldn't say why she was different in his eyes They built careers and had a kid Tried to live like their parents did But both their parties taxed them close to death They learned to hate the public schools 
Watch TV making fools While trial lawyers looted what was left She, she couldn't say when She couldn't say how She couldn't say why He was different in her eyes Saw them years ago Happy little cabin in the west They homeschooled on their farm Making so much more from so much less They can say when, they can say how, and they can say why, they're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. They're different in your eyes. God made men, and I won't be 
Goddamn UN. Hello and welcome to today's broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and, you know, mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live from historic Roan County, Tennessee. And before we jump into anything, I want to say thank you so very much to each and every one of you fine, fine folks out there who are taking the time to listen to this broadcast. Thank you so much. Whether you're listening to the podcast wherever you may get your podcast at, or if you're listening to the rebroadcast on great terrestrial radio stations across the country, stations like KYAH 540 AM, Utah's Talk Authority, uh, thank you so very much. And for those of you who are, in fact, listening uh, to the rebroadcast, it might be two or three days after this live uh, broadcast occurred before you get to hear it. So if you're wondering why I'm so far behind the curve or if you hear something that's a little dated, uh, you might want to know why. And the primary reason is because the time of the live broadcast right now is November 11th. It's 2021, and it's a few brief moments after 9 p.m. Eastern, which you, of course, can adjust to your time zone accordingly when you're trying to figure out what I was doing this. All right, so with all that having been said, this is, in fact, the second hour of a live broadcast, so... Uh, those of you who are joining me uh, have already set through the first hour. Thank you so much for continuing to be here. All right. With all that said, let's get into it, shall we? Now, back in the first hour, I had to issue an on-air correction as I had made a uh, an egregious error on air. And, and it was a completely, totally ridiculous bit of brain flagellance on my part. Because I had known, I had known what happened, but so much time had passed. I, I was talking about back on Sunday's broadcast. I'll go ahead and, and do it again here for the second hour in case maybe you are listening to the rebroadcast and missed yesterday's broadcast. Uh, I was talking on Sunday about the um, infrastructure bill and how it was passed by the uh, House and what all it meant and for whatever reason, I completely spaced on the fact that the Senate had already passed the bill. So I was thinking it still needed to, to go to the Senate and still having to uh, get the reconciliation between the House and the Senate's bill before they could send something to Biden. And like I had said back in the first hour, I realized I had that, hey, wait a minute moment <laughs> Uh, after I had published the broadcast, I'm like, oh, my gosh, how did I forget that? So I personally felt pretty embarrassed about it. But uh, most of the things I had to say during that segment, I still stand by. So I'm going to leave it up there. And if you did miss it, you can track down the podcast somewhere and uh, go ahead and give it a listen. I, I would hope that you will. Uh, and if you do, again, thank you. But uh, we we did this, and I was talking about it and I just completely got worked up and made some statements in regards to that and and that bit of the factual part was just wrong uh, so I messed up that's all on me and uh, I beg your forgiveness but in my defense I will say first of all they did spend an awful lot of time arguing about this thing well before we got to this point uh, so I did have some time to kind of forget and also in my defense, the way 
the government is supposed to work at the federal level. Anything that has to do with spending money is supposed to originate in the House and is then also supposed to pass in the House before the Senate does anything. Now, they don't follow this as a general rule anymore, but for the longest time, that is how it's supposed to be. Constitutionally speaking, that is also how it's supposed to be. Now, they have their little interpretation for their workaround, and it's all BS. Everything that has to do with spending money, the House controls the purse strings. How many times have you guys heard that? Uh, those of you who are at least as old as I am have heard it a bunch. Those of you who are uh, a few decades younger than me, maybe you haven't heard that so much, but uh, feel free to look it up. Uh, use an original document. Don't just Google. Sadly, some of the sites you end up at are giving you edited content. So use an original document, look it up, and uh, see for yourself. You, I highly recommend you do not take my word for it. But so I, I'm thinking partially that, yeah, it's supposed to go through the House first because this is a spending bill, right? But I, I, I was aware this had already happened. It just I could, was completely out of my mind at that point in time, so I gave you a reaction based on that. So again, sorry, and thank you for being patient with me. All right, so so much for that. Now, let's get back to the show. Again, this is the second hour, so if you missed the first hour, go back, check it out. Wanted to pick things up today as there is yet more information uh, that's being released about President Biden's nominee to be comptroller of the currency. Now, if you've been under a rock or if you just simply haven't been paying any attention, uh, this lady is a Soviet-born individual who's been living in the United States of America since her college years because she came here to the University of Milwaukee, I believe it was. She came here, and while she was studying, the Soviet Union collapsed. So, you know, she had nothing to go back to. So this is somebody that had been part of the elites. Make no mistakes about it. You have to be in the elite class to get to go to university. She studied at the University of Moscow. So she was well thought of, or her family was, and she was doing the things she needed to do. So she was somebody who probably had this highly romanticized version of what the Soviet Union was doing and what it stood for, what it represented. She was somebody that was actually gaining. She was somebody that had prominence and had promise for further prominence in that system. She wasn't your average potato farmer. That's the point I'm trying to make. And then she never went back as the Soviet Union collapsed. So she never had to deal with, she never had to see firsthand the fallout of what occurred there. That's why she wants there to be one bank. She just wants the Federal Reserve to be one bank, and that's the only bank you can do business with. If you need a loan, you have to go to the Federal Reserve, who is going to be using these uh, ESG standards to score you with. 
She has lots of ideas that essentially she wants to make our economic system identical to what the Soviet Union was doing before. And again, I don't even think she's that nefarious about it. I don't think she's some evil socialist. I think she's just somebody who grew up swimming in the Kool-Aid. She didn't just drink it. She was swimming in it. She never got to see the bad side of communism. She wasn't in that position. So she doesn't probably doesn't even realize there is a bad side to communism. And then once she got here, the way university works here in the United States, there's no question that her romanticized ideas and memories of how it was was probably further propagated. Oh, yeah, it was, had to be so much better there than here, right? And this is the person that Joe Biden, uh, although, you know, probably at the behest of someone pulling a string or two from behind the scenes, this is the person that Biden has nominated to be comptroller of the currency. This is somebody that Joe Biden honestly believes should have a major impact and a major role in how our economy operates moving forward. Now, because she is headed towards confirmation, more and more things are being dug up about her. And one of the recent stories that came out is something that she said at a roundtable discussion earlier this year about Senator Joe Manchin. Now, it's not that it's some terrible, horrible thing to say. It's not some damning thing. But it does, once again, give you a small window into the mind of how she thinks. She made the statement that Joe Manchin is, quote, supposed to be on the Democratic side. She, of course, said this as she was lamenting Congress's reluctance to enact the big spending bills. Uh, she was basically talking about how Congress should be moving forward with big, uh, with Build Back Better, as it is now named. But it's really just the Great Reset. But we're going to call it this. Now, this lady is currently a law professor at Cornell. And the nomination does seem to be in jeopardy, so that much is a positive for the country. She made these comments at a roundtable discussion back on May 20th of this year about her proposal for a national investment authority, which is also a thing she seems to think would be good for the country. Now, the purpose of the authority, which would be, of course, a government institution – but a government institution that would be independent of Congress and the president. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me? So who's overseeing this? The Supreme Court? I mean, the reason the Fed right now is separate is because it's a private bank. It's not part of the government. And it, as a private entity, has been granted way too much power and authority over how our economy works. I will. I will say that every chance I get. I mean, that's part of the problem with the Fed, right? Well, now she wants this whole new authority, and she wants it to be 
a governmental institution, but it's going to have to be completely bureaucratic, right? No elected officials whatsoever and no oversight, no oversight authority for the executive branch or the legislative branch. That's what she wants. That's what she's. That's a big part of her plan. <clears throat> this authority would be to direct public and private investments towards vital infrastructure and the real economy, uh, quoting there. Now, part of the reason it's necessary, according to her, is members of Congress like Manchin who oppose massive government spending programs. So in other words, she thinks it would be a really great idea if you had an easy workaround so that if Congress won't do what the leftists want, they'll just do it on their own. That's it. That's what she's saying. So if that's not dangerous enough, this is who these leftists want put in a position that could single-handedly destroy our economy no matter whose policies are in place. Remember I was telling you about the governmental infrastructure with this infrastructure bill and how Build Back Better is actually just a combination of the Great Reset and the Green New Deal? I probably haven't mentioned that the Green New Deal's wrapped up in it, but I shouldn't have to. Most of you guys should already know that already. If you've looked at it any at all, it's pretty clear. A lot of the Green New Deal crap has been rolled in there with it. But this lady, this lady legitimately said that Joe Manchin is supposed to be on the Democratic side. This is where we need to stand up with a single voice and speak back to her and say, no, ma'am, he's supposed to be on the American people's side. More specifically, he's supposed to be on the side of the people of his district, his direct constituents. He's supposed to stand up and represent them. What's their best interest? There's a reason why Joe Manchin is standing so firm against the so-called Build Back Better bill. He's standing up because the people of West Virginia want nothing to do with it. They want nothing to do with the new Green Deal stuff either because this is a state that relies so heavily on coal for their entire economy. That the Green New Deal crap would literally bankrupt the whole state. So he's standing up for the people of his state. He's standing up for his constituents. The people who sent him there to represent them, he's doing that. It's not some great stance on principle, although he's making some great arguments for standing on principle when he says the things he says. When he calls out Joe Biden for these attempts to quit monkeying with the numbers, you know it's uh, just stupid uh, accounting trickery to try to make the numbers get to where you want them to get, but you haven't changed anything, and the bill still is going to cost a heck of a lot more than you're claiming it will. And it was going to cost a few trillion dollars more than they were claiming at the very beginning because, again, they were lying out the, right out the get-go. They were lying at the jump. Because they were already using some of these accounting tricks. 
well, we're just going to say we're going to run this program right here for one year. So we only have to account for one year's budgeting for that. Knowing full well that that program will unquestionably be reauthorized. So the expense is going to continue. The bill is going to cost more. They know that. Now, there's a reason why I'm not saying this lady's name. And it's because my East Tennessee tongue needs some more practice before I'm going to be ready to pronounce it. So I'm not even going to butcher her name, as I'm accustomed to butchering a lot of names on this program. But I'm not going to do it. But you guys know who I'm talking about. And if you don't, just Google it. Biden's nominee for Comptroller of the Currency. She needs to be told. She needs to be told point blank. She needs to be reminded that this romanticized vision that you have of the former social utopia that was the Soviet Union is a fraud. If it was really so great, it would not have collapsed when it did. It had just been getting stronger. It would have been doing better. It would have outlasted the United States if it was as great as she seems to think it was. Ultimately, these leftists will be defeated by their own devices. The problem here is we, as conservatives, are not doing enough to push back hard enough or well enough to prevent the collateral damage. And we need to be loud, we need to be strong, and we need to protect our nation. We do not need to go down these roads. Now, every now and then, and I was having a discussion with a, a friend of mine earlier today, uh, and we were discussing this particular topic as a uh, as a non-specific issue. Okay, we weren't talking about a single issue; we were just talking in general and with the current climate of the country. When things are too good for too long, people get soft. Now, there's a quote floating around that I'm probably not quite going to get right that says that uh, good times create weak men, weak men create hard times, hard times create strong men, strong men create good times. So it's kind of this vicious circle. We've had it so good in this country for so long, we've faced so little real adversity that these folks feel like they can just get away with doing whatever, and they don't think they're going to face a real consequence. As a result of that, we also got onto the side issue of understanding now how someone like Adolf Hitler can rise to power. All you need is a set of enemies, someone to other you know, if you're following Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, the playbook's laid out for you pretty simple. And a lot of the current leftists are using exactly that. I, I would recommend uh, that uh, some of us conservatives start using some of these same tactics. One of the few times where it might actually make sense to fight some fire with fire, you know. But for all of the discussion about what a... Ther <laughs> what a... Uh, authoritarian individual that uh, the orange man who was bad was supposed to have been, according to the left. We see all kinds of authori author <laughs> authoritarian 
Uh, I say, I say, I say that's all, folks. I'm using Foghorn Leghorn's uh, accent, but I'm doing Porky Pig's bit. Um, it's one of those weird situations where Joe Biden is being so super authoritarian. You just look at what he's talking about with the vaccine mandates. We talked about Sunday how the vaccine mandates have been stayed by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, while there are actually litigation also going through the Sixth Court of Appeals as well. There is federal cases that are going to be litigated in multiple levels of the Court of Appeals. Multiple people are bringing forth lawsuits. Multiple states are bringing forth lawsuits. But the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals just flat out said that there are serious uh, legal and uh, and constitutional questions about the ability to even issue this mandate. So what's Joe Biden out there doing today? Joe Biden saying, well, you know, don't wait. These companies need to just go ahead and do it anyway. Go ahead and comply with the mandate. Ignore what the court's saying, because here's what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to get these hearings in court, and then the courts are going to say, well, none of you have standing yet because no harm's been done. Why? Because this administration has specifically drug their feet on how it's going to be applied and when it's going to go into effect and when it's going to be enforceable. They've waited till after the holidays to do this. They waited till after the uh, last week's elections before they even announced what exactly was in here, and now they're going to wait till after the holidays to enforce it through OSHA. But they still want the private companies to do it because there's a huge difference between a private company setting their own guidelines for employees. If you want to work here, this is what you got to do. There's a big difference between that and then the federal government saying, you have to do this. The federal government doing it is unconstitutional, but they're pushing anyway. And part of this is just a big, again, thumb in the eye. And uh, Joe Biden say, hey, judicial branch, uh, stop me when you can. But a lot like uh, the previous, the moratorium on the rent moratorium. CDC never had the authority to issue that, never had any legal authority. Joe Biden acknowledged there was no legal authority for them to do it. So this is probably going to get smacked down, but uh, we're going to do it anyway because it'll buy some time. You know, it's it's a shot in the dark. Maybe, maybe we'll get a friendly judge that's going to ignore the actual law and say, well, as a activist from the court, as someone wearing these robes who's clearly smarter than you, I'm going to say that we should allow this no matter what the Constitution says. And that happens way more often than it should. We've seen it. We've talked about it. We've screamed about it a few times. Um, you know, I, I try not to scream on this show, but you know, it happens sometimes. I get really worked up sometimes. That's why I use the disclaimer that I'm mostly peaceful. And it's way more accurate description of me than it was of all the riots uh, the left called protests from the last summer. But anyway, I digress. So it's the same deal, though, right? We're going to push it anyway. They're going to go as far as they can. Maybe they'll get a friendly judge that'll let them go a little bit longer. But they also know that it, once it actually gets heard by a court that's going to put the Constitution first, that they're going to say, no, you can't do this through OSHA. 
fingers crossed, maybe they'll actually come back and say, actually, while we're at it, there's a lot of things you guys are doing through OSHA you've never had the power to do. So we're going to strike a lot of that, too. I mean, one can hope. No administrative department should have the authority to write regulation and it be enforced like law. Laws should have to go through Congress and be passed by the executive uh, branch by signing it into law, and then it should clear constitutional muster with the Supreme Court before anybody treats it like it's law. No regulation and no executive order has the power of law. It's simply just, it should never be even considered that. But they'll play the little game, they'll stall, and they're going to do whatever. But this is the kind of thing that allows for the rise of a Hitler-type figure. And I'm not saying that the previous guy was Hitler. You obviously, if you listen to the show long enough, you know that I actually kind of like the previous guy. He, he proved me wrong. He earned my respect. I was not on the Trump train to begin with. Regular listeners know that. I've known it all along. And I keep saying so because it's true. But... He won me over with how he governed, with what actually got done, with the policies that he enacted. The orange man who was bad, the kicker of puppies, the eater of babies, the climate arsonist, was a pretty damn good president at the end of the day. And Joe Biden is barely sentient enough to be called a houseplant. In fact, there are several houseplants, and I'm looking at you, Venus Flytrap, that is probably more sentient than he is most of the time. But it doesn't matter. He's the man who's been installed. His regime currently is in charge. He took the oath of office. It was for all the shenanigans that took place, regardless of whatever else occurred, he is, in fact, recognized as the president of the United States, whether he should be or not. Doesn't matter, that's, that's the position he holds right now. So he's the guy that's going to have all the blood on his hands. He's the guy who's going to take the hit. He's the guy who's single-handedly going to make Jimmy Carter look like he was a middle-of-the-road president instead of previously the worst president in American history. And I, I never liked Jimmy Carter as a politician, but as a person, Jimmy Carter was a very nice guy. I don't speak ill of Jimmy Carter uh, simply because of politics. Uh, I don't speak ill of him on a personal level because on a personal level, Jimmy Carter was a great guy. Still is, technically. Problem is, his politics did put him in a position where he was just wrong a lot and weak. Iran hostage crisis, anyone? Right now we have inflation that makes me feel like we're back in the Carter years. And I was a young whippersnapper when that was going on, but I remember the hurt that came from there, the pain, the economic struggle for the Americans. It's a bad place to be. All right, let's go ahead and take the mid-hour break. I am just a smidge past uh, when we should be starting that. You guys stay right where you're at, and I'll be with you once again on the other side. Don't go away. This is Dan Perkins with your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans, Tip of the Day. Are you looking for a job because you got laid off because of the coronavirus? 
Most veterans think that the GI Bill can only be used for college, but that's not true. It can also be used for retraining programs. So if you're out of work and looking for a new career, go to the VA.gov and look at the GI Bill benefits. This has been your Songs and Stories for Soldiers, Veterans Tip of the Day. While millions of Americans prayed to God Almighty that the voters of Virginia had enough of the Democrat Socialists, many were totally unaware of yet another great history-making American story. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, Republican Glenn Youngkin, governor-elect, squared off against Democrat Socialist Terry McAuliffe and won the other winner, along with the people of Virginia, was Lieutenant Governor-elect Winsome Sears, who came to the United States from Jamaica with her dad when she was just a little girl. Her dad taught her about the endless possibilities and opportunities available here in the United States and that her color was not an impediment to her success. She heeded her dad's wise counsel and chose the path of success and did not allow bitter blacks or leftist whites to convince her to be a politically motivated, bitter, American-hating loser. The United States Marine Corps veteran gave credit to both God and her dad for her historic win as the Commonwealth's first female to win the lieutenant governorship. Congratulations, Lieutenant Governor Sears and Semper Fi. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the... RonEdwards.com. Ron Edwards, the new voice of America. Let's talk about guns purely from a self-defense perspective. How many people are there in America? Well, if you said just over 300 million, you're correct. It's closer to 325 million. Now, let me ask you this. How many acts of violence are there per year in America? Well, if you said just over 1 million, you're correct. It's approximately 1.2 to 1.3 million. So if there are just over 300 million people in America and just over 1 million acts of violence occurring in America every year, what are your chances of being the victim of one of those attacks? Well, if you said 1 in 300, you're correct. I don't know about you, but I don't like those odds. I know your odds might change depending on where you live, but if you live in an area with less crime, wouldn't that make someone else's odds go up? I mean, the number of people in America didn't change. And the number of violent attacks per year didn't change. Some of the highest crime rates in America are in Democrat-run cities where there are the strictest and most restrictive gun laws in the country, putting good people at risk because they can't defend themselves. The anti-gun left and anti-freedom groups like the Everytown Gun Grabbers continue to paint a dishonest picture of guns in America by telling you that guns cause violence. This is why they push the term gun violence. It's to help people who aren't paying attention believe that if we were to remove guns, the violence would magically go away. The truth is, not having a gun is more likely to make you a victim of violence. Two and a half million times per year in America, guns are used to save lives. This doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys. This most often means just the mere presence of a gun deters a bad guy. And by the way, 46% of those defensive gun uses are by women. The more guns are restricted, the more people are put at risk. The people who try to scare you and convince you that guns are the problem ignore the fact 
that we're all potential for being a 1 in 300 statistic. The people who ignore this are the same people who will purchase a lottery ticket with a 1 in 20 million chance of winning. They ignore the facts when pushing their agenda, and they know the odds that they're creating are dangerous. Human violence in America is not an argument for more gun restrictions. It's an argument for more guns in the hands of good people. So regardless of how desperate the anti-gun left is to disarm Americans, we've found a simple and effective way to defend yourself from violent attacks, rapes, carjackings, or shootings. Shoot back. Anti-gun hypocrisy has run rampant because of a dishonest media and an anti-gun political party that's willing to sacrifice our great American values, put good people at risk, and destroy cities with unnecessary violence just so they can gain political power. It's time we understand their strategy so we can defeat them. Our founding fathers saw these tyrants coming over 200 years away. That's why the Second Amendment was written. I'm Dan Wass. To check out my webcast, go to LoadedMike.com. To check out my book series, go to GoodGunBadGuy.net. What in the hell's diversity? <clears throat> well, I, I could be wrong, but I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. <laughs> I, I think he might actually be correct with that. I, I like it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much uh, for staying with me through that very brief break. Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, I want to take a few moments to remind you that, once again, uh, our economy's kind of going wonky. I don't think I need to remind you of that. You're probably going to the grocery store. You're probably trying to fill up vehicles with gas you know these things so here's the thing diversification is going to go a long way towards helping to keep you solvent all right one of the things that you can do right now to diversify is to get into cryptocurrencies so once again i'm going to remind you that the best place to get into cryptocurrency is over at coinbase coinbase is a fantastic market and crypto wallet uh, platform. Uh, you get over there, you can buy just hundreds of cryptocurrencies, whatever's, uh, whatever has your attention at the moment, and they're constantly adding new ones. And not only can you get the Bitcoin, the Ethereum, or something like a Cosmo, which is a great coin to hold over there too, because it's got a great value. And not only does it hold a great value compared to the U.S. dollar, it earns you interest. There are multiple currencies over there where you get what's called staking rewards uh, based on the platform. So if you just hold it on the Coinbase platform, you get a staking reward. And essentially, it works the same thing as earning interest if you had your money in the bank. Only these staking rewards are at a much higher percentage rate than if you left a dollar in a savings account even in what they're calling a high-yield savings account uh, at any of your banks. So it's well worthwhile. Beyond that, they do a tremendous job of educating you about crypto. So if you don't know too much about it, sign up and just learn. Uh, they have several uh, little animated tutorials about various different cryptos. You can uh, 
go through those uh, tutorials. You take a little quiz. Usually it's like a one-question quiz at the end of each segment. And you can earn 2 to $5 worth of crypto just by doing that. So you get free crypto just by learning about some of the stuff. And again, like I mentioned in my previous push for, the, for Coinbase, no matter what the crypto you're earning, you can convert it to any other crypto on the platform. You literally can get $3 of Telegraph, and you can immediately convert it to Bitcoin. It's just a phenomenal thing. It's absolutely, to me, that's the coolest aspect. Now, they're not the only one that does that, but they are one of the few that does the staking rewards for multiple coins and makes it so very easy for you to get involved, to learn, to invest, and to cash out whenever you're ready as well. They're very fast on that end. So, again, Coinbase, probably the best platform out there, and I'm going to say probably because I believe they are. Uh, there's not any that I'm aware of that's any better. But, you know, eh, competition breeds excellence, so we'll see what happens. Just do me a small favor. In today's show description, there will be a link please copy and paste the entire link uh, into your browser and go check them out, see for yourself. And, uh, you know, if you decide to sign up and then you spend so much, you'll get some free uh, coins and uh, you'll help support my show as well. So uh, it's an easy way to support this show and still do things that you probably ought to be doing anyway. Uh, that's Coinbase. Now, let's get back to the show. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't at least comment on what's been going on with the leftist media, particularly some of these folks who think they're journalists and also happen to be racial activists, and what they've had to say about the new uh, lieutenant governor-elect of Virginia. This lady, this wonderful, wonderful lady, came to this country from Jamaica as an immigrant. And she came here not knowing what to expect, but just knowing what she came from. And she saw here that this nation was so fantastic, so phenomenal, that everything that her father had told her was underplayed, that he was modest in how he described the country, and, and that he was pro-America. He, he told her and taught her from an early age that, that you're not going to have to worry about what your skin color is here because as long as you work hard and you put in the effort, you're going to have opportunities to succeed. You're going to be able to excel. And this person as an immigrant, someone who had come from another country and saw how much better things were here and how much the melting pot actually still works when it comes to actually mingling out in communities. You know, for everybody who keeps telling you how terribly racist the United States is, we managed to, to be the least racist country on the planet. She saw how wonderful things were here, that she joined the Marines before she had received her citizenship. She literally loved this country enough to die for this country 
even before she knew if she was ever going to get the honor bestowed upon her of being a citizen. Now, for a lot of you leftists out there, I know you typically don't think of citizenship in the United States as being an honor. It is. It's an honor that every last one of you who has that title, you take it for granted. And most of you don't deserve it. Most of you are enemies of this nation. You shouldn't be permitted to be called a citizen when you are traitorous in your hearts and you're insidious in your minds. But to call this woman who loved this country enough to join the Marines before she became a citizen, to refer to her as the black face of white supremacy, you should be ashamed of yourself. I mean, it's bad enough that you guys have all these great names like Uncle Tom for any black American who happens to believe that I'm not automatically a victim and nobody owes me anything other than what I earn. Uncle Tom. No. American. And as long as that's your mindset, you're going to have better than a 50-50 shot of being insanely successful. This lady has become the poster child of the American dream. And she's done it by simply not believing the same things that Joy Reid and her ilk happen to think. She doesn't buy into the crap that I have to be a victim. Oh, I'm an oppressed individual. No. No. As an immigrant... As someone who's come here from another country, I can see for myself how great America is. It's a shame that you, a citizen of this country, can't see that. It's a shame that you don't understand how great you have it here. This woman is not just a breath of fresh air. She is someone who dares to confront their narrative, who dares to challenge their narrative. So she, too, must be a white supremacist. She must be the get-out-of-racism-free card for the Republicans, literally a quote. She must be those things. She's a tool being used by the the white supremacist racists that are trying to, to make themselves look like they're not racist. How about this? How about you acknowledge the fact that just because a person of color doesn't think exactly the same way that you do, that doesn't make them a traitor. That doesn't make them a white supremacist either. Because it's pretty damn racist for you to think that anybody that meets a certain melatonin color uh, level in their skin... uh, has no right to feel any differently or think any differently than what you tell them to. That's what's freaking racist. And all y'all at MSNBC and CNN and MSBC and uh, ABC plus whatever, everybody in every one of these major legacy media's outlets, you need to get your act straight. You need to get your act together, and you need to realize that 
when you keep seeing race everywhere and color is supposed to be more important than character, then it's not everybody else that's racist. It's you. All right. That having been said, another story that's kind of flying under the radar. I haven't seen too many people report on it. I'm hoping there will be an uptick in reporting on this story uh, as we move forward with it. But the Department of Labor, back in Monday of this week, uh, said that they are going to seek to revoke a Trump administrated a Trump administration rule that allows for broader religious exemptions to anti-discrimination measures governing federal contractors. Okay. Did I say communicate that well enough to not be confusing? I feel like I probably didn't. So the Department of Labor isn't happy with an old rule from Trump. Okay, and they're thinking, um, you're allowing uh, religious organizations to discriminate. All right, that's essentially what they're saying. So, as reported by NBC News, the previous rule, which took effect in January, quote, broadened the exemption to include employers who hold themselves out to the public as carrying out a religious purpose. The exemption previously applied to more narrowly defined sets of religious groups, but uh, this basically went from just saying that if you're a church and you're hiring uh, someone to work for the church, it's okay for you to only hire someone who shares your religious beliefs. Now, before, the exemption was pretty narrow that just church and church-oriented organizations could do so. Uh, the new rule said that if you are a, um, a contractor for the federal government, but that you behave in a similar fashion and you're selective based on religion as to who you hire, then it's okay. So the Department of Labor explained its proposal, saying, quote, The U.S. Department of Labor has announced a proposal to rescind the final rule implementing legal requirements regarding the Equal Opportunity Clause's religious exemption. Now, rescinding this rule would have the effect of returning department policy and practice to those who were operative during the presidencies of George W. Bush and Barack Hussein al-Akbar Obama. Although, strangely enough, they just said Barack Obama in their statement. I, I don't know why so many people leave the rest out. Okay, so Executive Order 11246 prohibits federal contractors and subcontractors from discriminating in employment decisions on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, sexual orientation, gender identity, or national origin. The order contains a religious exemption for certain religious corporations, associations, educational institutions, and societies with respect to the employment of individuals of a particular religion. Now, this, again, is the department explaining the old rule that they want to do away with. The final rule that took effect on January 8th of 2021 departed from the OFCCP's 
long-standing policy and practice of applying Title VII principles and case law to interpret the exemption. It added that the proposal by the Office of Federal Contract Compliance Programs, the department's area which enforces the executive order, would preserve Executive Order 11246's religious exemption, which would still be available to qualifying contractors. So they just want to change who qualifies to receive the exemption. They, they want it way more narrow instead of broader the way Trump had kind of wedged it open a little more. They want to make it easier and simpler. They want to uh, get back to the way it was before. Their disdain of religious people performing religious activities has them so worked up that this exemption is a bridge too far for them. They honestly believe that no organization that's doing hiring should be allowed to hire someone that has the same religious beliefs. Now, if you are a multi-billion dollar company and maybe you're a conglomerate or you're some major international corporation, then maybe it doesn't make a lot of sense to say, oh, yes, and everyone who works for us can only be Roman Catholic. Or everyone that works for us can only be Sunni Muslim. Stuff like that doesn't make sense. But if you are, I don't know, a charitable organization and you were an offshoot from the Southern Baptist Church, but you haven't had any direct connections with the church in a long time, there's still nothing wrong with you still hiring people that follow the same religious doctrine because that's still part of the founding principle of your organization. Why does the federal government have to be concerned about that? Now, I don't know too many circumstances where a company that's going to be doing contract work for the federal government crosses in and over here, but I can see where they would deny uh, grants and funds and would not want to include certain organizations like that uh, in a official response capacity. Oh, we can't do anything with the Salvation Army. They're Christian. Uh, except we've been talking a lot about that over the years. It's, they're not the same old Salvation Army, are they? Not the point. The real point comes down to just a couple of short things. There's nothing wrong with a company, an association, an organization that is based on a religious doctrine, whatever that doctrine may be, looking to hire people and have people work for them that share their same doctrine or, at the very least, doctrine that's similar enough that they're fine, kind of like uh, Lutherans hiring a Baptist or vice versa. The doctrines are so very similar that the, the differences that are there, and some of the differences are kind of big differences, but most of the doctrine is identical. There's not very many differences. So uh, if you're in a situation like that, why shouldn't you be allowed to do that? Why 
should an organization that's based on uh, faith-based uh, business practices be required to hire an atheist or be required to hire uh, a religious individual that is literally the antithesis? Why should a Catholic business have to hire a Satanist? I, I mean, it's a legitimate question. It, it doesn't make any sense. Now, if you are just a, like I said, there's certain circumstances where, yeah, okay, it shouldn't matter what your religion is. But if you're actually a religious organization and you set yourself up as that from the beginning, why should that be held against you? Oh, well, so you're just, you're just, you're not being fair. You're discriminating. Not every form of discrimination is a bad thing. We make discriminatory decisions every single day. We discriminate between the chicken sandwich and the hamburger when we decide what to have for lunch. We discriminate against uh, handing all of our cash to a bank teller or to a, uh, <laughs> a street bomb every single day. Not all forms of discrimination, when you look at what the word actually means, you know, dictionary definition, uh, it's good to be disseminating, or at least it can be. All right, I got just a second or two left before I have to go into the goodbyes. And I did want to mention one thing real quick that uh, it just kind of caught me funny. Everybody knows Angelina Jolie, right? At this point, nobody has any questions about it. Well, Angelina Jolie is currently in the new Disney Marvel Universe movie, The Eternals. And The Eternals has uh, this gay scene in it. Uh, there's a, a sexual same-sex activity kind of scene in it, just, you know, because it's Disney. Why wouldn't it be? Hey, good job, guys. Uh, <laughs> anyway, as a result... There were multiple Arab nations, Muslim-majority countries, that had asked for the scene to be edited out, you know, just for their viewing. Just, just you know, cut that scene from the movie. Uh, the local censors said, please, please cut the scene out for distribution here. But in a completely unexpected uh, move, especially when you look at how far Disney's willing to bend over backwards for China— Disney said, no, no, we're not going to do it. You play the whole movie or don't play the movie at all. So Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Qatar all said, well, we'll not show the movie at all. So Angelina Jolie weighed in. She couldn't hold herself back. She said that it was sad and referring to people who object to same-sex relationships, she called them ignorant. Now, she made the comments during a press roundtable, so she knew this was going to get out. She said, quote, I'm sad for those audiences, and I'm proud of Marvel for refusing to cut those scenes out. She said, I still don't understand how we live in a world today where there's still people who would not see the family and has the, the beauty of that relationship and that love. How anybody is angry about it, threatened by it, 
doesn't approve or appreciate it is ignorant. I thought that was worth mentioning because this is the same kind of activity that if she was saying something like this directed towards the China market, she probably wouldn't be working for Marvel or Disney anymore. It's the kind of thing that typically gets you canceled. Angelina Jolie's got enough street cred in the uh, intersectional coalitions, I guess, that she can get away with attacking traditional Muslim belief. The coalition is falling apart. I predicted the end of the coalition a couple of years ago. We've been seeing the coalition cracking. We see evidence, further evidence, almost every week now under Biden. The intersectional coalition is falling apart. This is just one more symptom. All right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, once again, thank you so very much. You have made it to the end of another fantastic, fabulous broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Uh, despite my best efforts. <laughs> so, again, thank you so much for being here. And remember, as always, don't take my word for it. Definitely, definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, most importantly, to use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. In the meanwhile, guys, uh, you know, stay safe, stay healthy if you can, and, uh, you know, be smart. Even if it goes against your nature, I'm out. Using both hands Founders knew the Second Amendment was the final one to keep To hold our other rights intact so we'd never become sheep Stalin, Hitler, Maloney, and Pol Pot They told us things that you never forgot Is using both hands Well I prefer the 308 to the tiny 223 Gives me more than a thousand yards to protect my family
is using both hands. Mm-hmm. 